I've, uh, I've not had pom-poms lately, but I've been shouting. I've been shouting joyfully. It is the duty and privilege of every proud grandfather to shout at your grandchildren's little league game. Graham, eight years old, and Murphy, six-year-old, uh, are both playing Little League, and Bonnie and I are out there. I'm either on the bleachers or uh, stationed along the first base line along that uh, uh, chain-link fence, and every hit, every uh, time they field it, whether it's clean or not clean, I'm screaming and yelling. Everyone else is as well. I've, I've never once second-guessed whether you should be screaming or yelling out there. The more exuberant, the better. That's what you do when you go to a Little League game. I don't know how those little children are supposed to figure out what to do. Everyone's screaming and yelling at the same time, and half of them are screaming, throw it, and half of them are screaming, hold it. But there, uh, there is uh, no limit on the decibel levels of how loud you can be out there. The louder the better. No one is ever going to come up to you at a Little League game and say you're disturbing the peace. What is legitimate, however, at a Little League game is, uh, is illegitimate. Um, let me try it coming at it a different way. What is legitimate at a Little League game is feared and hated by every dictator and would-be potentate. Those tin horn dictators do not want any show of exuberance in their country unless they themselves have produced it. Am I not right? I mean, we see parades that are manufactured by these dictators. But they don't like that. Um, they don't like it at all. Think Putin or North Korea or Cuba or China. These guys who like to make us think they are firmly in control are some of the most insecure people on our planet. They are terrified about uh, uh, exuberance that might get out of hand. I was reading about Belarus this last week. I, didn't, I couldn't have told you where Belarus was a couple of months ago. I certainly couldn't have pronounced Lukashenko, who is their dictator. He's the only dictator in Western Europe, frankly. He's been in control for, uh, you know, and Belarus is where the, the Russians came through when they invaded uh, to try to, to get uh, uh, Kiev. Lukashenko has been in charge there for a long time. Back in 2011, uh, there was no food to be had. Uh, the people were starving. They didn't know how to register their uh, disapproval. They gathered in the main square in the capital, Minsk, and they began applauding. That's all they did. They began, they gathered, and they just clapped. And they just kept on clapping. 
until Lukashenko made applause in public illegal. And they came and arrested 500 people for clapping. One of the men they arrested had one arm. Think about that one for a minute. Dictators don't like shows of enthusiasm. You just don't know where that's going to lead. You say, Henshaw, is this a civics lesson or is this a sermon? Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. I don't know how many in the crowd knew Zechariah 9, verse 9, that said your king will come lowly riding on a donkey. Frankly, I didn't know that verse, except I read it in a Bible commentary. So I don't know how many in the crowd were in touch with that particular verse, but Jesus doesn't ride into Jerusalem on that donkey by accident. But when he rides in, he enters to unrestrained, spontaneous, exuberant joy, like these children waving those palm branches. And I can guarantee you, although the scripture doesn't say it, that Pilate and Herod had to be unnerved by what was going on. They had to be unnerved every Passover. Passover was an annual event. It was the hugest festival of the Jewish year. Half a million people, they say, might have gathered in Jerusalem. There would be sheep everywhere. There would be trumpets blowing. There would be backslapping. There would be laughing. There would be booths of uh, selling things and, and, and just a chaotic situation. But underneath all of Passover is this idea. Passover is when Pharaoh lost it all. Passover was a liberation festival. Don't forget that. The Jews are getting together every year to say, yep, Oh, Pharaoh took it on the chin. His army drowned in the sea. He thought he was big. He thought he was tough. But he went down to our God. So Pilate is bringing extra troops in every year at Passover. He hadn't taken any chances. It, it would be easy to imagine just one tiny spark igniting everything in Jerusalem. One tiny spark. The people see Jesus riding in and they, they begin thinking about a king. Now, I can't find anywhere in Scripture that says they thought he was going to be a military leader. I'd, I'd like you to find that for me. I hear that in Sunday school all the time. I've probably said it myself. It's not in, I can't find that. It's not in there. Don't, don't be saying they thought Jesus was going to be the next mighty warrior. It's not in the Bible. There, no telling 
every reason why they might have been shouting. In the Gospel of Luke, which we read today, the word Hosanna is not even there. What Luke does say, however, is, is fascinating, and only Luke has this detail. Luke tells us why they were shouting. It's verse 37. They praised God joyfully with a loud voice. Why? They had seen his deeds of power. Man, I love that. That's the New Revised Standard. They are shouting with a loud voice because they've seen his deeds of power. If you want to read it in the New International Version, it says they were shouting because they had seen his miracles. Call them miracles if you want to. Call them powerful deeds if you want to. Why are they shouting? It's nothing to do with a military hero. They had seen this man feed 5,000 people. They were shouting. They had seen demons put their tail between their legs and run in the other direction. They were shouting. They had seen blind people who could see again, thanks to Jesus, and, and the crowd is shouting. They had seen Jesus heal the sick. They're shouting. They had seen lame people get up and walk and throw their mattresses away, and they were shouting. They had seen Jesus take a little girl by the hand and bring her back to life. Deeds of power. That's why they were shouting, deeds of power. They'd seen it. They couldn't help but wave palm branches and throw their cloaks out in the street. A friend of ours from Savannah came to visit us a couple of weeks ago. She was a, a, a dear friend and a member of my uh, church in Savannah, the church I serve, not my church, uh, forgive the language. The, uh, she was a member of the church I serve. She sat on our sun porch a couple of weeks ago, and over lunch, she began telling Bonnie and me um, about two miracles that she had seen. One of those miracles, and I, I'm not going to uh, go into detail on them, one of the miracles was quite dramatic, and one of the miracles was rather modest but equally impressive. And our friend Bibi couldn't stop talking about him. She didn't call them deeds of power, but that's what they were. She'd seen it. She'd seen it with her own eyes. Don't tell her those weren't miracles. Don't tell her those weren't deeds. And Bonnie and I didn't. We, we were uh, amen corner. And so there's this boisterous crowd, this enthusiastic crowd. They get carried away with it. I mean, it'd be a little league game multiplied ten times, maybe. 
Blessed is the king, they say, who's come in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest heaven. Their elation, however, is not universally welcomed. The Pharisees say to Jesus, tell your disciples to be silent. Well, I've always considered that to be jealousy, but I think I'm wrong. I think it is not jealousy. I think the Pharisees wanted everybody to be quiet because they were afraid of what I talked about earlier. If you start shouting too uh, loud, uh, Pilate's going to come in and he's going to squash us. Don't shout so loud, you're going to ruin it for everybody. It is like that Jenga game. If you shout too loud, you're pulling out the one block that is going to make the whole thing topple. We can remember just about 20 years ago when the Romans crucified 2,000 of us right outside the city walls. Just tell your people, tone it down a little bit. I'd like to tell you that when I was in high school that I was a, a rebellious kid because that always makes a good story, but I really wasn't. I was a goody-goody. And here's what a goody-goody knows, that in, in class, when the teacher walks out, the goof-offs start messing up. And the goody-goodies are saying, hey, keep it down, don't do that, because if the teacher comes back in, we're all going to get a pop quiz, or all of us are going to have to read three extra chapters. Goody-goodies want to keep a lid on stuff, protect themselves. Pharisees are saying to Jesus, tell your crowd to keep quiet. We, we don't want... We've kind of got a good thing going. The Romans know who they are. We Jews know who we are. It, it, just, it doesn't work perfectly, but we're all getting along just fine. But Jesus says, that's not possible. If I told my followers to be quiet, even the stones would cry out. You can't keep people from praising God for powerful deeds. Just, you can try to suppress them, you can try to stifle them, but when they've seen something, uh, you know, and if I could get them to be quiet, even the stones would cry out. When my brother and I were children, we would ride out on our bicycles to a little place out in the country, it was called Buck Creek. Now, in Indiana, you don't say the word creek, you call it crick, buck crick. We would go to buck crick where the crawdads were and, and, and uh, get down in that water. And when we really wanted to have fun, we'd try to, uh, to build a dam over buck crick. It didn't, water didn't flow very fast anyway. We'd get our mud and our stones and our sticks and our leaves, and you could dam that water up for a while in buck crick but you couldn't keep it dammed up. No matter how you tried, that water broke through that dam and kept on flowing. Jesus, tell your disciples to shut up. Well, I can tell them to shut up, but even if, even if I'm successful, even the stones will cry out. 
You can't stop people from praising God for His deeds of power. I'd like to talk about Estonia this morning, but I don't think I've got time. If I had time, I'd tell you about the singing revolution about 1991. Estonia, one of those little Baltic republics. Maybe I am going to tell you about it. Uh, I'll tell it very briefly. Soviets uh, have tried to squash Estonia and Estonia, unlike Latvia or Lithuania, Estonia had a tradition of a thousand years where their people sang. And when the Vikings came and tried to conquer them, they sang. When Peter the Great came and tried to conquer them, they sang. And finally, in 1991, when it looked like the Soviet Union was starting to disintegrate, the Estonians gathered. They sang. 20% of their whole nation gathered together at one time. And they sang the patriotic songs. And they sang, and they sang, and they sang. And the Soviets didn't know how to stop it. And Estonia is a free nation now. And if you're following the news at all, the Estonian president, I've noticed, is one of the ones who most vociferously defends uh, Ukraine. You can't stop people from singing. You just can't stop it. Maybe you say you're not a person to wave palms. Maybe you say it makes me feel silly. Let the children do that. But we sing praises every Sunday here in church. Maybe we don't realize we're doing it. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures. Praise Him here below. Praise Him above, ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. It may be challenging these days to exuberantly acknowledge God's power. But I tell you, deeds of power are still happening every day, every day. Why would we remain silent? How can we remain silent? Piles of gravel can sing God's mighty power but human voices would be so much more effective.